bucket heads. This is not the entrance for this particular <laughs> for this particular episode, but whatever. You um, know what? It fits. It fits. It's fine. Um, welcome to History Back at the Podcast. I'm Caroline because apparently we don't say our names enough. I'm Jesse. I was totally <laughs> taking a sip of my coffee and I was like, oh God, get it down, get it down. <laughs> not prepared, not prepared at all. Um and we are the duo that brings you history back at the podcast. Um, this this week is going to be an interesting one. Also, okay, I, I think our icon is needed for an update because the AI one that you posted in our group yeah. chat is like sexy. Isn't it? So, it's so good. So we're going to have to go through like a full... I, like, was like, I was like, do we do we change it at like the beginning of the year? Do we change it at the change of the season? Like, we might do it for like the the end of the end of twenty twenty one and in or twenty twenty two into twenty. I was about to be like, do not curse me with another twenty twenty two. Ah, damn! Like, I can't even remember what year it is. Um, yeah. So I think like in the beginning of twenty twenty three, we'll we'll sh- post it and update it and stuff and and actually like work on our social media and stuff that'll be my new year's re- resolution is actually put effort into the podcast uh social media <laughs> <laughs> i tried when we had a hurricane and then i failed epically once the hurricane was over i've failed epically every every day um so i can't um <laughs> my husband is in the hallway just dancing ridiculously he says hi hello husband <laughs> he's sitting there going hello. hello i hear i hear cat getting into things but i don't know what the things are oh no he's he's gonna have to not deal with thing get into things for at least an hour we have yeah we have an hour of things to do well because- he's doing it because he's bitter because i'm in my room and he's not allowed in my room sounds about right Yep. All righty. Well, I have uh, no idea who goes first. I, I, you started with the super depressing one last time. Oh, okay, so you start. I start. Um. So I got crime, but make it unorganized. So I was looking out. Um. Well, at first I started in Pascagoula, because mm-hmm. um apparently that's where everything happens in Mississippi. Yep. Uh, but unfortunately, I found no organized or unorganized crime in Pascagoula. Well, that's so, offensive, Pascagoula. You have everything else. But I did find, I think, the epitome of the category name. Because it's crime. But it's definitely unorganized. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just... Honestly, it's a chef's kiss. And it's going to be a very, very, sh- like, com- Compacted um, explanation of what's going on with this because it spans decades. Oh Lord! And ha- uh, and many terrible things have come from it. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to give an overall general description of what's going on with it, and then one or two maybe incidences involved with it, because honestly, it's one of those like St. Augustine episodes where we could probably just go on forever about Which, this particular speaking topic. Of, mm-hmm. Real quick, sidebar, our Spotify wrapped for the podcast was posted, mm-hmm. and the St. Augustine episode that you hate so much was our number one listened episode. I can't believe that. 127% more listened to than our other episodes. Wow. That's really bad because our episode eight in Florida is like the bomb dog. I know. That is my favorite episode from last season. I uh, That one needs to be shown more to the world because I think that's solidly our best episode. Um, but yeah, I don't know why St. Augustine episode that I felt like that episode dragged on and on, but whatever. Um, all right. So. When people generally think of the mob, what do you think of? Like, give me like a rough thought process on the you mob. You know exactly what I think of. I, I will tell the people. <laughs> you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> that plus boondock saints is what yeah. I think of. Okay. So you think families, people who are connected by heritage and backgrounds and ethnicity and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
in the early 1950s in, in Mississippi, <laughs> another, for, another mob was forming without those family connections. This mob did all the normal things mobsters do in the mafia. You know, you have extortion, gambling mm-hmm. rings, brothels, yep. bootlegging, run mm-hmm. running, rigged elections, mm-hmm. and of course, absolutely murder. Oh, yes. Of course. This mob was a collection of, of misfit criminals that slowly came together and called themselves, slight drum roll, please. The I was going to do it on my laptop, but then I realized that would destroy the audio. Yeah. This is the mini, it's the mini drum roll. The Dixie Mafia. Okay. Yeah. So based in Biloxi, Mississippi. Always. Uh, always. Um. Which is honestly the most ideal place for a mafia to sprout from because it itself has a history of crime older than the United States itself. Um, Has, you know, it first gained recognition from illicit gambling in the 17th century, seedy histories, uh, ongoing corruption with local officials made this city the most attractive place for the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Now, but by the 1960s, so this is the early 1950s, right? Okay. So the Dixie Mafia is kind of growing, it's sprouting, they're doing all the bad shit in Biloxi, right? By the 1960s, it has pretty much influence, had reached its influence well past Mississippi into the east parts of Texas, Louisiana, uh, Oklahoma, Tennessee, all the way over to Alabama, even into a little bit of Georgia. So the Dixie Mafia really sprouted its wings there and, and just took over the southern half of the United States. Huh. Yeah. But. Because it is not a traditional mob with your family and connective ties, <laughs> it was not traditional by any means. There is no oath, there is no um, like you mess with my brother Johnny, so you have to go into the pit or something kind of deal. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're mobsters stick their people that they don't want in the pit, in the pit, <laughs> in the yep. pit, in the pit of despair. Um, <laughs> the oubliette. Um, these are more of a, a do anything for a buck kind of gang. So okay. it's kind of like a big group of people who just want to be outlaws, but like do it together because it's helped it's better to do things together as a team than all by yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is where we're at. <laughs> all right. So they Blood just, of the oh, covenant. Let's do this. Exactly. Um, and this, uh, the Dixie Mafia had one simple rule and one rule alone that you had to follow. Thou shall not snitch to the cops. And this just brings me back to every video I've seen on TikTok of the actor who plays Vision. I can't remember his name. Paul Bentley. Thank you. Um, Whose snitches end up in ditches. Like, (laughs) this is catchphrase he says all the time in interviews. It's hilarious. Which is funny because that is not the saying at all, but maybe that's the British version of it. Yeah. So, like, he's just like, snitches end up in ditches. That's all I can think of. Like, if the Dixie Mafia... Exactly. If the if the Dixie Ma- Mafia had an updated catchphrase, I feel like it would be that. Um, <laughs> I'm down for it. I'm here yeah. for it. So through the 1950s to the 1960s, all the way to the 1970s, the Dixie Mafia is just slowly taking over the South, right? They're, they're robbing, they're bootlegging, they're doing, you know, illegal gambling things in Biloxi. They're just doing whatever they can, all the scams, all the murders, all the burning down buildings to get all the money. That's all they want is the money. By the night, yeah. Who who does all? I also want is the money. Yes, but at least you're not doing illegal things to retrieve the money yet. Okay, I'm glad you have a a plan for the future. Yes. Okay. Um, My my five year extended plan. (laughs) (laughs) That job interview. What do you? How do you see your? What do you see yourself in five years? Well, (laughs) I am related to Butch Cassidy. I have a train I need to rob. Um, <laughs> Living up to the family name. <laughs> well, the 1980s, the blur, there was some blurred lines between government officials and the Dixie Mafia members. Um, 
which obviously happens when you're slowly taking over a city is where you know the dixie members put themselves in higher points of authority within the city that gives you opportunity to extort more people get more money and make laws and do things that kind of point things in your direction Mm -hmm. um and apparently it had become so extreme that federal authorities designated the entirety of the Harrison County Sheriff's Office in Mississippi as a criminal enterprise. I would love to say that I'm shocked. However, <laughs> I don't think anything <laughs> anything we've learned coming out of Mississippi so far is shocking. Yeah. Like we we want to be like, no, oh no, that's so crazy. Where we're like, yeah, that tracks with Mississippi. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. So, along with your law enforcement members and your uh, higher authorities in in Mississippi. The Dixie Mafia also worked alongside fellow mobsters, um, who you know took the traditional track um, <laughs> instead of the weird misfit track. Um, the Dixie Mafia had. No I love. More- I love how there's like there's there's you know the join the company, work your way up, become the CEO, and then there's the startup mafia. Like- <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Like, uh, I know I know the the owner of this company. I can get some good ties in there. Maybe I'll, you know, take over for him when he's older. And this one's like, ah, uh, I'm gonna kill you to get to one step higher. Um, also I heard that you're a bitch, so I'm just gonna kill you. Like that's the kind of mafia like dynamic. Now yeah. you a dead bitch. Yeah, like that's the kind of mafia like setup we have. In this, like, this is the hierarchy of the Dixie Mafia is, like, you have maybe one or two people who are higher up on top, and everybody just kind of falls with under them, and you kind of kill and beat and rob and do all these things to get a little bit higher up in the, in the pyramid scheme. Yeah. In, I wouldn't even call it a pyramid, though. <laughs> like, it's like a sack of shit with a little... <laughs> triangle on top <laughs> that's amazing like it's just kind of like a like a like a roundabout of people and then you have the tippy top people like that's yeah. the, that's the the constructs the construct of this particular mafia um, I, I yeah i'm feeling it yeah, so along, so that's what, that's how unorganized this is. We've got two people on top and the sack of shit underneath. Um, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm visualizing it now. I, I I hope you do. I hope everybody <laughs> visualizes it because it's beautiful. Um, So alongside, you know, the law enforcement, they have the mobsters. So they have no formal ties to La Costa Nostra. Um which was an Italian-American mafia um, located in the United States. Uh, But they had an understanding, quote-unquote. We're like, you don't fuck with me. You don't, I don't fuck with you. We don't find out. Um, We don't fuck around. We don't find out. Exactly. That's, we're on the mutual, we don't fuck around, we don't find out kind of thing. Um, So in that, uh, the La Costa Nostra was uh, run by Notorious. I don't oh, I don't understand why they always put the word Notorious in front of all mob bosses. If all mob bosses are Notorious, none of them are Notorious. Like, that makes zero sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like that quote in The Incredibles. If everyone's special, then nobody, nobody. is. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the whole thing. So. Yeah. Um, so this mob boss, um's name was Carlos Marcelo. Marcelo was one of the most powerful leaders in organized crime um, who worked in New Orleans at the time, at the same time as the Dixie Mafia was coming into power. Mm-hmm. So my thing with this is every time, and by every time, the two times I've done um, research into the Mafia, uh, everything is like one of the most powerful leaders in organized crime. How many powerful leaders are there in organized crime at this time? 
because you have all the mob bosses and stuff in New York and Chicago and like all of the northern families and stuff. And of course, you're going to have some sprinkled throughout the southern states as well. Yeah. But like everybody can't be the most powerful. That's not how this works. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's like they do it by like counties. Like who's the most powerful? <laughs> it's like one county. And then and then they have a convention. Yeah, remember they- the conventions. <laughs> Bring that back to season one. There are conventions. Um yeah, so so the most powerful leader in organized crime at the time. Um, and he tolerated the Dixie Mafia Mafia ma- yeah, Mafias not Mossias, whatever that is, presence as long as they played by his rules and paid for his hospitality. Um, some Dixie members apparently uh, allegedly hired were hired by him uh, to collect debts and carry out hits for him. So, like, the, the Dixie Mafia wasn't loyal to their sack of shit. Um, they were like... to go where the bu- buck is. Exactly. So they're kind of like, whatever you need me to do, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So it's, I feel like they just kind of put together like a club and put their name on a t-shirt and they just kind of did whatever they wanted with the club name on their t-shirt. I mean, (laughs) I mean, yeah, Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we're all part of the Dixie Mafia, but I'm going to go fuck off here and you're going to go fuck off there and we're going to do bad shit on either spot, but we're the... We're, but we're still going to be there for dinner tonight. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't Listen forget. D&D. Yeah. Um, so it got to the point where um, the FBI obviously got involved because that's what, what? they do. Shocking. <laughs> um, so one special uh, special agent from the FBI, Keith Bell, who grew up on the Gulf Coast, Gulf Coast and worked most of the cases linked to the Dixie Mafia, said they were doing anything and everything illegal down here. For money, the sheriffs, the officers were loyal to them. Um, they would release prisoners from the county jail, safeguard drug shipments, high fugitives, anything you can think of they were involved in. Another member of the Dixie Mafia put it, whatever... What makes them so dangerous is that they don't think. They just act. They don't draw a line. Everything is fair game. So pretty much the most horrific things you can think of, I'm pretty sure they did. Because as much as, as, much as I was looking into it, because it, a lot of the links and stuff that I was reading said it was the, the mob you never knew or the mob you haven't heard of. So a lot of, I'm assuming a lot of crime in Mississippi and those states and stuff at that time could be linked to them. They just weren't linked to them. But one crime that I'm going to talk about was linked to them. So a little backstory. Um, There was a name, a a guy named Pete Hallett, who was a lawyer who eventually became the mayor of Biloxi. Um, He was working with some seedy underground people. His name was Mike Gillich, um, a leading underworld figure, because you know how people say things. So yep. he linked to, you know, the Dixie Mafia and other um, seedy things happening in Biloxi. Um, so him being linked to Mike, Pete eventually became the attorney of this guy named Kirksey Nix, who was one of the two leaders on the top of the ship pyramid um, of the Dixie Mafia, who was serving a life sentence in uh, Louisiana State Penitentiary for the 1971 murder of a New Orleans grocer, Frank J. Corso. But that's not who we're talking. We're not talking about that murder, unfortunately. Okay. So, so Nix is a leader in the Dixie Mafia. He kind of uh calls a lot of shots uh pulls a lot of hits um kind of points people in the direction (laughs) excuse me of jesse choking uh (laughs) of what's going on so he he's on top of the pyramid running one of the like running the bag of shit from jail from jail maybe that's what got me choking was i was like he is doing all of this from prison yeah and so um true entrepreneur exactly well don't don't let that uh that spear get you down because he was running a full blown uh dating scam from prison. Oh, d- I will explain. Okay, thank you. Um, 
And so that led to these murders. So let me go ahead and explain the scam first, because honestly, I read it like five times. I still don't understand, but either way, they got bunches of money from it. So it's called the Lonely Heart Scam. Dixie Mafia inmates um, at the penitentiary would get like hundreds of thousands of dollars from this scam. So he, this is how it worked. Okay, so inmates would pay guards to use the prison pay uh, telephones. Then Mm -hmm. they would place bogus ads in homosexual publications claiming that they were gay and looking for a partner to move in with. The men who replied to the return post office box address got additional correspondence and racy photos. So pretty much they would like put ads in the paper saying Mm -hmm. like, hey, I need a roommate. And then the guys would like write them back. And then the inmates would send like pictures and stuff, I guess. And um, the catch was the scammers told their victims a variety of lies about why they needed the money before they could leave where they were. So like you would, hey, I need $100 to help me break this lease or I need $100 to get gas yeah. to wherever we're going to move in with you or whatever. And apparently, according to Special Agent Bell, who was still working on this, uh a lot of money came flowing in. There was hundreds of victims, men from all walk of life, professionals, mail carriers, politicians fell victim to the scam. One guy in Kansas even mortgaged his house and sent $30,000 to the scammers over a period of months. What? Yeah. Like, I I know being gay back then, it was probably hard to find someone, mm-hmm. but $30,000 is, mm-hmm. a, is a hefty price to pay to not live alone anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, so, to and to add uh, insult to injury, some of the inmates writing the letters eventually confessed the scam to their victims when extorting even more money by threatening to out them um out the men if their demands were not met so now after they get to the point we're like oh you're being scammed but uh now i'm blackmailing you fun yeah so they're running this scam in prison and obviously getting a shit ton of money out of it right so Nix was like, okay, cool. Um, his kind of, like his way of thinking was, if I get enough money, I can buy my way out of prison. Um, because I know everybody, I yeah. you know, I can control, I control a lot of what's going on. I can buy my way out of prison. Well, now Pete Hallett, back to the lawyer at the time, um, ended up extorting and spending a lot of the money that Nix was getting from prison. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So what happened was Nix convinced, or no, I'm sorry, Hallett convinced Nix that a judge named Vincent Sherry, who had just left office to become a judge, um, and his girlfriend, uh, or his wife, I'm sorry. No, 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 yeah, I'm reading the wrong thing. And his wife were spending the money instead of Hallett. Mm. So what Nix did was put a hit out on Judge Sherry and his wife and then they were murdered because Hallett convinced Nixt that Sherry was spending the money and not Hallett. Which, smart move, but I feel like it's going to backfire on either, buddy. Oh yeah, and it absolutely positively did. Um, so uh Nix hired a man named Thomas Holcomb um, to murder the couple in their home, and he did. Um, so this kind of launched this big, a bigger investigation into what was going on. Hallett was eventually arrested and sentenced um, to a life in prison sentence for one extortion, accessory to murder, all of these things. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. So now this you're in the mid this is like 1996 
um, okay. convictions and stuff were happening. So we're out of the 80s into the 90s. Um, Nix is still in prison, obviously. Yeah. Uh, because he already has a life sentence. There's not much else he could do except apparently um, try to run more scams and try to con- keep controlling um, the... Uh, what am I thinking of? What is the word I'm thinking of? Uh, the mafia outside of prison. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, I don't want that. I want this. Okay. Um, so that kind of along with all of the other murders and hits and all of the other terrible things that this mafia did um it kind of culminates in the 90s we're like mm-hmm. okay i think the think the the mafia has become disbanded a lot of um members are in jail a lot of members are dead a lot of members are being arrested for being a bad guy so what's going to happen well a lot of, like I said, a lot of the people found themselves in jail, murders, all that stuff. Because of the money um, that people were getting off the scams and all the extortion and all this stuff, um, they say that the Dixie Mafia kind of evaporated in the late 80s, early 90s. But there is speculation that there are still some underground members currently in, like, still in action like still active oh that's in- fun why do you always pick the ones that are like still active and like- i don't know like they can come after us i don't yeah. know yeah <laughs> we're here just targeting ourselves so but yeah so that is um me, the- <laughs> me. sorry me um uh so that is the little summarization of the Dixie Mafia, I could go on and on of all the stories I read, but it was a, whew, it's a fun one, that one. Yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, it's, it's definitely not organized. That, that sack of shit definitely doesn't have its life together, but. No, but, no, I, not they at made, all. They made plenty of money doing whatever they wanted, so good for yeah. them, I guess. I love how you take a drink because you just finished talking and I'm like, don't choke again. Don't choke again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just talked for 30 minutes straight. So I kind of, uh, I need to take a sip of something. <laughs> <You> no. <know. laughs> nah. But yeah, no, um, they seemed like bad guys who did bad things together. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was the, the short and sweet tale of the Dixie mafia nifty so i um took a different approach than normal to okay. my topic which was the obscure mm-hmm. because i found so i was trying to because last week i went so dark so i was trying to find something very much not dark yes and i thought i found something but then i realized there was like no story behind it that i could find that would take up enough time mm-hmm. so <laughs> since i still wanted to mention it okay i took a letter out of your sexy scandal page and okay. kind of made like a little listicle of like little known interesting facts mm-hmm. of things that happened and or were like done in mississippi okay yeah i like it yeah so Little little interesting obscure fact number one, and this is the one that I was like, I want to know how like where this thing was caught, how it ended up, where it ended up, but there was none of that. Um, the world's largest shrimp is on display. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Is is on display in the old Spanish fort in Pascagoula. Yeah. Pascagoula. I knew it would be here. Oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> I know. I saw that and I was like, where was the shrimp caught? I have to do my story on this. And then there was like nothing. That's yeah, that's rude that they have no backstory on the giant shrimp, but I'm happy that it's there. Yeah. I don't know how giant this giant shrimp is though. Like, wow. <laughs> there are no pictures of it. <laughs> it could be like 18 inches. That's pretty big, though. That is pretty big for a shrimp, but like, yeah. it's not like huge. it's not like 
Yeah, it's not like like seven feet long or something. Like right, like I'm expecting like river monster shrimp. <laughs> That's a big ass shrimp. So I have and I have thirteen by the way okay. because I of course thirteen it's yep. me. So number two is that Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. is one of the only four cities in the world sanctioned by the International Theater Dance Committee to host the International Ballet Competition. Really? Yes. The other three are Moscow, Varna, which is in Bulgaria, and Helsinki. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I can just picture the 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 people for this ballet thing were like okay we need to put someplace in america but but you pick jackson Jackson over like new New york York city yeah boston la anything i feel like they just threw a dart at the map (laughs) and they're like whoever was was not good at darts and ended up on the southern half of yeah they're like what the what is a mississippi like what what is a mississippi that's where it is that's crazy that's crazy so number three at this this blew my mind probably way more than it should have okay the concept of selling shoes in boxes by the pair originated in vicksburg wait what yes <laughs> selling shoes in boxes by the pair originated in vicksburg at a place called phil gerbert shoe parlor so did they sell them separately by by the sink yeah why i i don't know make more money like i don't know usually i don't want to say all the time but like usually people have two feet (laughs) like you're not just buying one shoe like 90 percent of the time yeah like you're gonna most likely need two of them i thought that was always a thing I'm so confused. I know. I was just like, wh- what? <laughs> um, and then, well, you live in Texas now, so you might have heard more about uh, Stetson, the hat maker. So I know a little bit about Stetson just because, one, there's a university in DeLand named after them. Stetson oh. University. Yeah, he created didn't a even, Didn't even make that connection. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I really wanted to go there, but they didn't have any uh majors that I wanted. So apparently he uh learned and practiced his craft of hat making near Meridian after the Civil War. So I had to throw a Meridian in there. Okay. That's good to know. Uh number five and number six kind of go together a little bit. Okay. So number five is that the first heart transplant surgery in the world was performed in Mississippi at the Mississippi Medical Center in 1964 by Dr. James D. Hardy. Interesting. And number six is that the first lung transplant for humans was done in 1964 at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Okay, so Mississippi is a can be a mecca for ballet and transplants? Apparently. You know, I'm really confused because yeah, that's why I was like, I was like, let me find some like cool little facts about Mississippi. And I was like, wait a minute, all this shit talking we've done on Mississippi and it's like cultural, <laughs> right? Like that's where I'm at. I'm like, what is happening with Mississippi? Like it, I, we just, I just called it a shit stack full a uh, shit sack full of criminals for the past like 30 minutes. And all of a sudden like, oh yes, the first transplants were done in Mississippi. Like that makes zero sense. Right. It's like two sides of a coin. Pick, pick one. Pick one, Mississippi. Are you a shit stain or are you a good place? I don't know. Mississippi is like duality, bitch. Learn the definition. Apparently. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, number seven is apparently the world. This this also blew my mind. Apparently the world has only one cactus plantation and it's in Edwards, Mississippi. A cactus plantation? A cactus plantation. What is a cactus plantation? A plantation for cacti. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a place that grows cactuses? I guess, yeah. And there's only one of them. So they must supply all of the cacti that people put in their homes. I don't know. That is so... What? Okay. Right? 
okay a lot of cactuses in that part of mississippi (laughs) apparently in in the swamps in the swamps of mississippi just cacti (laughs) that must be a weird thing like when you're driving down the highway and it's just like swamps trees spanish moss cacti all i can picture is this like because it's not like mississippi is it is not like anywhere else it's like it's very florida it's very flat like there's not like mountains and shit so all i could picture is like just one long field just full of cactuses and like not even the same cactus but like different cactuses so you'll have like the flat and they have like tall ones and then they're just like <laughs> a weird roller coaster roller coaster of cactuses i wish people this. could see your hand movement right now like. <laughs> just, just up and down and all around crazy that's weird i don't know what's happening with that i don't like that okay yeah i was just mind blown that there's apparently only one in the world yeah move that shit to arizona or something where it belongs right like that's where i would expect it to be yeah yeah so number eight is a year after the civil war ended women in columbus mississippi decorated the confederate and union soldiers graves with flowers in friendship cemetery and as a direct result of this memorial day was created what (laughs) to commemorate and honor the lives and deaths of fallen soldiers that is wholesome and i appreciate that that's crazy but it's wholesome i like that i like i don't like the cactus thing but i like that (laughs) i like how the cactus one is the one that you don't like it's really it's really irking me i don't know why (laughs) (laughs) so number nine i had to put this one here in here just because of the name of the game Mm -hmm. because it sounds like you'll 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 know exactly what it sounds like when i say it so Mm -hmm. one of the oldest american games slash sports because i'm assuming it's more of a sport than just like a game to game a sport is a game anyway semantics uh is called stickball like baseball i don't know but that's what it reminds me of is when somebody's trying to remember the name something they're like you know that game stickball yeah yeah i can see that it was recorded back as far as 1729 being played by the choctaw natives huh so like maybe it's like a combination of like cricket and 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 baseball and like you have to get the ball somewhere i don't know if you use the stick to get the ball somewhere where we don't know (laughs) that's why i was like stick ball i was like that sounds very self-explanatory but at the same time not (laughs) like there is so much being explained in that one phrase and then absolutely nothing at all at the same time (laughs) right it's like i know a lot of information about this one phrase i also know nothing about this game yeah exactly i was just like the name has me hooked stickball stickball <laughs> so now i have two cemetery stories because i was obviously you know looking for stuff to entertain you mm-hmm. so i was like hmm, let's see what's going on in cemeteries so in 1969 in kruger mississippi farm hands were digging uh in the land mm-hmm. and the backhoe operator like hit something Three feet below the soil was a coffin that was made of cast iron and glass, and inside was a visible body. I'm intrigued. Continue. The young woman was wearing a red velvet dress with white gloves and square-toed boots, all from like 100 years before. Like, all the clothes that she was wearing were from like 100 years before. That's hot. Continue. The body was not decomposed. Instead, the coffin had been filled with a preservative alcohol and sealed, so she looked exactly like the day she had died. That's amazing. Sign, sign me up for that. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be cremated. Sign me up for that shit. <laughs> but unfortunately, when the backhoe hit it, it broke the glass, and so and all of the alcohol seeped out. Yeah. No one knows who this woman is. Only that she died before the Civil War. 
So they took her to an actual cemetery and buried her there with the birth date being in 1835 and the death date is 1969. Hmm. I'm a little upset that they didn't try harder. Um, I'm like, you still have a full body left to work with. Like you didn't try just a little bit to figure what out. (laughs) Like, you're in the middle of a field, and this gorgeous casket is in front of you. Obviously, somebody who had money. Yeah. And to fill an entire coffin with a preservative. And, and velvet. Perf- yeah. And velvet and everything. Like, that is, uh Yeah, so I'm, her grave her grave is just marked as the lady in red. I don't like that. Not <laughs> as much as I don't like the cactus thing. I don't like that more. <laughs> But I don't like that the people didn't try hard enough because I would, one, want pictures, like, oh, my God. And two, like, you, when when was this? This was 1969. Okay, y'all. Maybe not as much scientific advances, but they could have tried a little harder. Yeah. They could have. Still mad about it. But I would have loved to have seen a picture of that. Right? Yeah. Like, even if the coffin is, like, not filled with alcohol. Like, I would have loved to see that. Right, just a picture of, like, her with the broken glass around her. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, still sign me up for that. That sounds great. (laughs) Just maybe not with glass. Maybe, like, plexiglass, so this way it can't shatter when a backhoe hits it. Well, let's hope that no backhoe is ever digging me up, but, like, just in case. (laughs) I don't think they were trying to dig her up on purpose. Well, yeah, like, if she's in an unmarked grave in the middle of a field, like, that seems... Like, but the thing is, is that I'm sure it was something at some point to someone, and it was only three feet under the ground. Yeah. Mm. I have theories. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate? I'm thinking, I'm processing. Let's see. Um, so probably I'm theorizing here. So maybe like a richer family just maybe moved to the area didn't put down roots all the way didn't have a way to like mark the grave or or a far more crazy option because i always have to throw that shit in there um maybe her family thought that she was a vampire and they had to drown her but they wanted her to be pretty too see i was going with like serial killer that is a very rich serial killer (laughs) that serial killer has fucking money also why are we haven't found any others i listen i don't know the backhoe found this one i need like x-ray maybe not serial killer maybe just murderer singular murder yeah okay i could see it because they were having they were like having an affair it was like a clandestine type deal she dies and he's like well fuck now she's mine forever type deal and like encases her in cast iron and glass i'm still have to go on but that's a really really rich murderer so was hh holmes that's true that's true i don't know i'm gonna go vampire and then murderer and then just random rich family those are my those are my theories in rank of order that i like i'm down with it okay cool so another cemetery story okay i would say along similar lines but like not really but like kind of sort of um <laughs> it involves a dead person and a grave so lines came lines you know <laughs> In Natchez in 1871, Florence Irene died of yellow fever when she was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And during the preparations for her burial, her mom asked for something just weird. She asked for the coffin to have a small window and then a stairway that led down to where the casket would be and a window be added to where she could see the casket. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the mom was distraught by her daughter's death, and apparently her daughter was severely afraid of storms, so she wanted to be able to go down there during storms to comfort her daughter. That's both really sweet and really creepy Uh at the same time. See, like, I could never, just because I couldn't fathom 
being a mom, but like that is a level of heartbreak. I don't think anybody should ever have to endure. Yeah. Also, like a window? Mm-hmm. Like <sighs> Yep, a window like, so she could yep. Okay. So she could see. Yep. Now the grave really hasn't changed since the 1800s, other than the fact that the cemetery put up a cement wall to block the window. Interesting. So to, to prevent vandalism at the gravesite. Okay. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. I accept that. So because I'm sure her mom's not visiting her anymore in the mortal plane. Yeah, mom's probably yeah, mom's probably dead. Yeah. If mom isn't dead, that's the real vampire. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jeez. Let's say it's like not on the mortal plane. I'm sure so, I bet I bet they, you know, go visit it sometimes on the on the on the ghostly plane at some point. But yeah, you know. they visit the Lighthawks keepers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So little obscure fact number 12 not so obscure because a lot of us probably heard about this in school but i did not realize that it came from mississippi Mm -hmm. uh in november of 1902 president roosevelt came to mississippi to hunt a black bear and when the black bear was tied up like stalked and tied up uh he was tied to a tree for theodore roosevelt to kill and he deemed it unsportsmanlike and refused to kill the bear which led to the creation of the teddy bear Yes, I had no idea. I thought that was out in like the Midwest somewhere. So did I. I had no idea that was in Mississippi. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And then number 13, because I can't leave it all, you know, cool, interesting facts. I have to throw a little depression in there. Nuclear testing was done in Lumberton, Mississippi. Was the only site of atomic bombs on U.S. soil east of the Rocky Mountains. Why? So the tests were called salmon, which was a 5.3 kiloton bomb that carved out a cavity 2700 feet underground. And this was only like a third of the size of the one that hit Hiroshima. Oh, damn. And then after that cavity was carved out, another bomb was tested called Sterling, which was a 0.38 kiloton bomb that was set off inside of the cavity this testing was done to see if nuclear explosions being set off underground could muffle the shockwave enough to avoid sensors because arms control treaties were being put into place trying to t- t- limit the testing of nuclear weapons. So the U.S. was trying to find ways to get around that. Those sneaky bastards. Unfortunately, the, uh, the doing it underground was not enough to, to stop it from being sensed. For, for for the sensors to be able to pick it up so uh of course you know. not there's no way <laughs> absolutely not bomb. it's a huge ass bomb it's an huge. atomic bomb like huge. giant huge huge <laughs> the fact that you added the hand effect in after like you went huge hand effect like <laughs> <laughs> added in there at one point <laughs> So yeah, I know I know it wasn't as long of a tale as I normally tell, but it wasn't as nearly depressing. That's not nearly as depressing. And I enjoyed the little facts because sometimes there are those little facts that you have that, you know, no one talks about it or yeah. says anything. And I was like, like, we've been we've been dunking real hard on Mississippi this season. Yeah. We've been dunking real hard. Yeah. So I was like, let me let me show throw some little little good little nuggets in there. I like the nuggets. I didn't like the cactus nugget. Like for some reason that rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe because it's a cactus. I don't know. Um, did love the lady in red thing a little mad about the whole like not trying hard enough thing or like a yeah. picture, but like solidly interesting. Right. I love it. It's good times. Great. Also, who knew that Mississippi was like a mecca for medical shit and ballet? Right? Who knew? I didn't know. I fucking didn't know. That's why I was like, when I read that it was one of four cities in the world sanctioned, I was just like, one, (laughs) one, they have sanctioned cities for ballet competitions. Apparently it's very serious. (laughs) Two, there's only four of them. (laughs) There's like a lot of places in the world. And apparently one of those places is Jackson, Mississippi. I guess. I guess like moscow and helsinki like those all make sense jackson mississippi does not make sense no no 
Absolutely not. Which now I feel like, you know, if if we had more than five regular listeners, we'd get a whole bunch of people emailing us from Mississippi being like, there's so many ballet schools in Jackson, Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe one day we'll have all those people message us. (laughs) Maybe one day. Maybe one day. (laughs) We'll be Uh, on like state 47 and people will start messaging us about Mississippi and we'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa what did we say like we don't remember this like, don't, i barely think, remember the things i said last last season you're gonna expect uh, me to remember something from season two when we're on 47 yeah that's not happening yeah. <laughs> all right i believe it is bucket time bum, 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 bucket time <laughs> i'm making songs today bucket bucket you go first i don't know what do we want i don't know i feel like i either want cryptid or ufo and something flew out of the bucket at me so let's see what it is let's see oh it's the obscure which we've both done right yeah we have yeah so i don't know why i put that one back in my bad it knew it didn't belong in there so it threw it out yeah it threw itself itself out um close encounters of the odd kind there we go which i am i am taking out now that we have both done it yes all righty so what are you hoping for Oh, I want a spooky one. I don't want to do any more crime. I want to do something spooky. The gloomy times. Mm. You could fit something spooky in there. I feel like maybe something spooky could go in there. I feel like all of Mississippi is the <laughs> gloomy, gloomy times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> From the moment, you know immigrants popped on and from the moment the vampire ladies showed up (laughs) it was all downhill from there (laughs) which i almost did that as my obscure story but i was like no caroline already talked about it it's a good story though right yeah yeah i was just like i just want to know more about these vampire ladies that showed up (laughs) with the fucking black plague yes uh i learned that while we were on a tour in uh new orleans it was such an interesting tour it's a vampire tour it was great all right well thank you guys so much for listening to history bucket the podcast um please follow us on our social medias that we never update um if you're gonna follow anywhere just just go follow on instagram because that's the highest likelihood of us updating twitter is our twitter is dead it has flies at this point it's a rotting corpse yeah like maybe the little ghost of the bucket has popped out of the corpse on yeah (laughs) like a whole thing um but our instagram and our facebook are are usually the ones we we you do update the most if we do update um and be on the lookout for our um our upgrade on our icons and all of our stuff well i'm hoping we can do like a whole rehaul before 2023 so it'll be brand new for the new year brand new brand new i don't know why i felt like singing that but it, I did. it works <laughs> well thank you guys so much for listening i'm caroline i've been jesse thank you guys see you on the next one bye bye <laughs> mm. Ha, 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 ha.